The story is told about three vicars, uh, they all happen to be male vicars, going to a conference and they decided they were in, sitting in, in, in the train carriage that they would be very honest and share their besetting sins with each other. And the first vicar said, well, he said, I have to be honest with you and tell you that I have a problem with, with the members of the opposite sex, with women. Uh, and the second says, well, if we're being really honest, I have to say that um, I have a real problem with the drink. And the third said, well, he said, if we're being real, really, really honest, I have to tell you, I have a real problem in that I am an incurable gossip. <laughs> well, today we're looking at the whole idea of controlling the tongue. Why is it so important? Uh, you know, what, what's James got against the tongue? It's a big muscle that's used for tasting, chewing, and swallowing. But it's also used, and this is what James is really about, for speaking. And in these verses, James gives us several reasons why we should control the tongue. The first thing is that the tongue, the spoken word, is incredibly powerful. At the very beginning, when the beginning began and time came into being, God spoke a word. Let there be light, and there was light. It was God's spoken word which brought creation into being. It was his spoken word which gave life to human beings. And this is the word that James has already spoken about in his letter. This is the word which has given you life, new life, spiritual life. In 118, we're told that we're given birth by the word of truth. In chapter 1, verse 21, he speaks of the implanted word that has come into us, that has power to save our souls. God's word is an active word. John describes Jesus as the logos of God the word of God, the reason of God. But when Jerome in the 3rd, 4th century came to translate logos from the original Greek into Latin, he used the word verbum, from which we get our word verb. It's a wise translation because the verb is a doing word and the logos, the word, the verbum of God is a doing word. It is incredibly powerful. I know it can send people to sleep, but it is a word which wakes people up. It brings life to people. Paul talks about how blessed are the feet of those who preach the good news, who tell people about Jesus Christ so they can hear and choose to receive this word and discover new life. And James writes of how the tongue is a bit like a bit in the mouth of a horse. I know little about horse riding, but I understand that the horse is controlled, directed by the thing in its mouth, pulling it in one or the other direction. Or the tongue is like a rudder, I occasionally sail small dinghies. 
but I'm not a, a good sailor and I usually have mishaps or sometimes disasters. On two or three occasions now when I have been sailing, my rudder has fallen off. That falls into a bit more of the disaster category. You're rather helpless. Fortunately, I sail in a narrow estuary, so all that happens is I end up stuck on some muddy bank. The rudder is rather important. It controls the direction of a small dinghy. It controls the direction of a huge tanker. The tongue, says James, makes great boasts. It can do. It does major stuff. Words shape how we see reality. For those of us from the West, inclusive language has become a real political power battle. But it is important because it shapes how people see things. I remember about 30 years ago hearing a friend preach. In his sermon, he used an illustration of an engineer. And in the illustration, he spoke of how she made a decision. And that made me sit up, because I had never really heard anybody talk about a woman as an engineer, as a she. You sort of assumed it was always a he. So a word changed a whole set of assumptions. And speeches and oratory are important. They can inspire, move people to tears, whip up crowds. Think of Shakespeare's Mark Antony and Julius Caesar, of Abraham Lincoln, of Pushkin, of Churchill. Words have shaped nations, defined how people think about themselves, given self-understanding. And later, James writes of the power of words addressed to God in prayer. They bring healing, they bring forgiveness, they do great things. So the tongue, the spoken word, has enormous power. And then the tongue can also do great damage. James speaks of how the tongue can be like a tiny spark that sets a whole forest on fire. We have a saying, sticks and stones can break my bones but words, they cannot hurt me. That is, of course, not true. Words, again, shape how we see reality. Think of the words that we use for other people, how we separate people who are like us, Nashi, from those who are not like us. It's interesting that those of us from the UK who are here like to call ourselves expatriates. We call those who come and live in our country migrants. Alison says that the big word that she hears in the playgroup where she helps is the word mine. If you say that something is mine, then I'm saying it's not yours and I'm claiming control over it. It's my toy, my possession, my church, my right. And that little word can do so much damage. And there's the damage that's caused by lies, the fake news, the one-sided news. And then there's the vindictive, cruel word, the spoken word that can destroy someone, rip their reputation into pieces that can ridicule, humiliate and crush. I, I read the story of a woman who had a break in work, who went with a colleague to the ladies' toilets, 
and she said she started as they were washing their hands to slag off a colleague, Beth, who wasn't particularly popular. Well, you can guess what happened. Out of one of the cubicles came Beth. She rushed out, left the place of work immediately in floods of tears. She didn't come back the following day. She didn't come back at all. The woman who tells the story says that it is one of the most awful moments in her life. She tried to get in touch with Beth, but she wasn't able to. And she finishes off by saying, and I am a Christian. I am someone who calls Jesus Lord, and yet I did that. And there's the gossip, and yes, we can dress it up in Christian terms, the backbiting, the swearing and profanity, the cruel, unthinking comment, you are so stupid. Jesus warns his listeners that before God we will be held accountable for simply calling another person a fool. And the tongue can be just as devastating when it's not used, when, it's, when we are silent, when we should be speaking out. And thirdly, the tongue, James tells us, is a window into our heart. It shows us that we desperately need God. We cannot see into a person's heart. We cannot see the things that motivate them. But we can hear the words that they speak. And the problem is that this thing betrays us. We're really good at putting up a show and then out comes something. Uh, out splurge our inner thoughts and the problem is as I said a couple of weeks ago they're like toothpaste from a toothpaste tube once it's out you can't get it back in Baxter a 17th century preacher said one proud surly lordly word one needless contention one covetous action may cut the throat of many a sermon and blast the fruit of all that you have been doing James describes the tongue as a world of iniquity, an agent of the sinful world among the different parts of our body. It's a fifth columnist living in you. Uh, you put up a good front and suddenly it wrecks everything that you have been doing. Uh, he describes it as set on fire by hell. All the anger, rage, fear, resentment, prejudices that are in here. This is the fuel which is deep within us and it comes out through the tongue. Jesus speaks about that. He says it's not what goes in that defiles us. It's what comes out. It stains the body. Imagine a bride. We had a wedding here yesterday in a stunning white dress and there right on the back there is an ink stain. That, says James, is what the tongue does to us. Recently, there have been a number of cases where people have been completely undone, their reputation ripped to pieces because they have things they have said which have been recorded or messages that they have tweeted. He says it sets on fire the cycle of nature. It leads to more of the same. I say something that comes from the pit that is in me, and you respond with something that comes from the pit inside of you. And the cycle escalates. 
James speaks about this in the next few verses, and we end up with people and communities, even brothers and sisters, not speaking with each other, hating each other, at war with each other. I think of Northern Ireland. I think of the Ukraine. The problem is that no one, says James, can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Let me be clear about this. If we remain silent, which is often a good thing, we still will not be able to control the tongue. Our inner pit will out. There's a story told about a man who uh, entered a monastery, a silent monastery. He was only allowed to say one sentence uh, a year to the gathered monks. So the year came round and everybody gathered round uh, to hear what pearl of wisdom would come from this man. And he said, the beds are hard. The second year came round. They all gathered. What would he say this time? What did he really mean? Out came the sentence. The food is horrible. The third year came round. Out came the sentence as everybody waiting. I'm leaving. To which uh, the abbot, the leader of the monastery, said, well, thank goodness for that. All you've done since you've been here is complain. <laughs> if we cut out the tongue, not recommended, it will change nothing. We'll still think the muck. And James writes that even if we become religious, we won't tame the tongue. Yes, we will come to church and praise God, We'll praise the one who is good and beautiful and true, who loves us, who's given us life, who's created all things. And then at coffee or later in the afternoon, we curse somebody. We make fun of them, mock them, put them down, speak bad of them. Even though they are, James points out, created by God and made in his image. With one breath we declare our love for God, with our next breath, we deride the person he has made. So what do we do? How do we control the tongue? Because if we don't say something about it, it will be a very honest but a very depressing sermon. Is there no hope? Well, first of all, do remember the power of words. We live in a world in which we have so many words uh, and almost having too many words strips words of their power. But remember, the word can be so, so powerful. Secondly, guard your tongue as best you can. There are the bits of wisdom you can hold on to. I'm sure you all you know, know it, it, the people say, if you can't say anything good about someone, don't say anything at all. Or, again, as we thought, count to ten before you respond. And those of you who are good with words need to be particularly careful. I thank God I'm not particularly quick with words. I always think of the thing that I could have said, the response that would have cut them dead at least two hours after the conversation. And I think if only I had said that... But while I would love to be quick with words, I thank God that I'm not, because it often means I don't say what I should not say. 
Thirdly, know that you will make mistakes. Only the perfect person will not make mistakes with their speech. And forgive me for saying this, you are not perfect. No one, says James, can tame the tongue. So when you make mistakes, and it is when, repent, say sorry to God, say sorry to the person you've offended, and call out to God to have mercy, to change your heart, and also to somehow bring good out of the mess that has been created. Fourthly, says James, don't aspire quickly to become a teacher. Uh, and James is speaking specifically to those who would teach the Christian faith. So several of you can take a sigh of breath, uh, take a, a breath, a sigh of relief. Even if you have an ability to teach, I would probably say a person should not aspire to become a teacher, a Bible teacher, a teacher about Jesus, until they have messed up big time, until they have become acutely aware of their own fallenness, brokenness, and sinfulness, until they have become really aware of the pit that is deep in their hearts but who have also at the same time become aware of the astonishing acceptance, forgiveness, mercy and power of God. So, remember the power of words. Guard your tongue. Know you'll make mistakes. Don't aspire quickly to become a teacher. One final thing. Come to church next week because the next few verses offer us a little bit of hope and offer us a way forward and Dan will be sharing that. Father God, would you please thank you for the gift of words, thank you for the power of words. Help us please to guard our tongues. In Jesus' name. Amen.